1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks, I'm Eric Name, ESPN Milwaukee Bucks reporter, and joining me tonight, not as always, my good friend Frank Madden is uh, is sitting out. Uh, this is going to be a, a somewhat regular occurrence as uh, as Frank gets back into the working world and then uh, has to attempt to figure out when he can see uh, his daughter and figure out all of that. So this will be a more regular occurrence. I think we're sort of uh, tentatively planning on Thursday nights that I will be going through my Rolodex and finding other people to chat with. About the Milwaukee Bucks with me, uh, we Frank and I talked about it a little bit last night. No fear if the Bucks happen to have a playoff game on a Thursday night, Frank will be there for the recap after it. Um, outside of that, though, um, he will le- most likely be gone on Thursday nights, which will affect the Friday podcast. So I'll be going through my rolodex and having a number of the people that you've already heard and seen or i guess you can't i guess you can kind of see their name on the podcast but people that you've heard in the past uh like like our good friend dean maniat um i think i'm penciling him in tentatively for next week uh and we can kind of do a playoff preview as we get ready for the uh the bucks first round playoff matchup uh then a a couple other people that you've seen before maybe pratik will stop by uh and we'll have some other people on the podcast but tonight We have Mitchell Maurer, the managing editor at BrewHoop.com. Mitchell, my friend, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm doing well. I'm happy to be the first one called up off the bench. You know, you've got to give your young players some time on the court to develop. And, uh, you know, I'm going to make the best of this opportunity go out there, work hard, and try to get a win. I don't, I don't know if that was – was that too cliched or just cliched enough?
1: Um, I would say just cliched enough because the Bucks really could have used some of that effort tonight. <laughs> uh, they lose 119-111 to the Brooklyn Nets. And just one of those nights uh, I had more than enough people in my mentions blaming me uh, because on last night's pod I mentioned – the Bucks are going to go, you know, win 45, 46 games this year, and uh, they, they'll, they'll end up having a season that isn't all that awful uh, considering all of the things that occurred. And, yeah, they didn't really play like a team uh, like that tonight. And I, I, my mentions were full of people quick to remind me that this is my fault, which I can wear it, um, which is fine, but also – the Bucks just didn't play very well. Lose 119, 111 to the Nets. And looking at this game, I mean, I think it comes down to one thing. Before the game, you know, if there's one thing you know about the Brooklyn Nets and one thing you know about Kenny Atkinson's system is that they are going to get up threes. It's just in their DNA. It is who they are. You know they are going to have the, the correct shot profile in that they're going to take a bunch of threes and they're gonna try to limit stuff at the rim uh, on on defense, and they're gonna try to limit the three-point shots on defense. Like, you know exactly how that is, and if you look through their shot profile, that's exactly what you'll see. And, well, it came back and it bit the Bucs tonight. They go 19 of 39 from the three-point line. The Bucs took 23s tonight. The Bucs took 23s. The Nets made just one less three than the Bucs took. Overall, and I mean, I, I talked about it last night, and Frank was quick to poo poo me. And since he's not here, I can throw him under the bus. Um, he was <laughs> quick to poo poo the idea that the Nets can make the Bucs look stupid at times because the Bucs have largely been able to win the games against the Nets. Uh, this breaks up a 10 game win streak that they had had against the Brooklyn Nets. And I mean, this is this was kind of the if you're thinking about a script before the game, this was it, right? The, they shoot a bunch of threes and they make a bunch of them
2: oh for sure this, this was what should have been predicted and just like I know this came up previously I think it was actually my last uh, or maybe the guest appearance before my last on the pod when they played Dallas and how Dallas was a team that was struggling underperforming didn't necessarily have the talent to match up with Milwaukee but uh, we noted that hey they shoot a lot of threes they have a very smart modern offensive shot profile and so hey if they get hot you know, that could give the Bucks in trouble. It's exactly what happened tonight. To to give up fourteen more makes from three. (laughs) I'm not a math major, but fourteen times three, that's what? Forty two points? Yep. That's a lot of points to give up. And what's baffling to me, and this really speaks to, you know, where the nets are right now as a franchise, is that the game was close for most of the contests. Like, I think it was those two straight Allen crab threes late in the fourth quarter that really kind of sealed it for Brooklyn and got them, you know, a big enough cushion that the bucks weren't capable or maybe not interested in overcoming this evening based on the, the style that they were playing tonight. But there's no reason why they, they couldn't have still eked out a win despite giving up so many more points from outside. But you know, Giannis shot 21 times from the floor and only scored 19 points off of it, which is not good. Middleton was nice and efficient. Budso was okay. You got, you know, double-digit points out of John Henson tonight. Uh, Jabari Parker took 21 shots and only came in with 13 points. They just, I think they tried to score with Brooklyn and they just, they did, for whatever reason, did not have it in them to keep up tonight.
1: Yeah, you look at the offensive rating for the Bucks, one eleven point nine, and it had kind of fluctuated. Where there was a little while there in the third, uh, at the end of the third quarter and beginning of the fourth quarter, where the Bucks had dragged that defensive rating, uh, or yeah, the the Nets' offensive rating down. Like the Nets were just kind of lighting the world on fire, and they brought them back down, and then. The offense couldn't really catch up but then late the offense caught up and then the defense disappeared again because you look at the bucks uh, an offensive rating of 111.9 another game so that's 13 of the last 14 they've had a 110 or excuse me a 111 offensive rating or better uh, but tonight it was the defensive rating that wasn't there and you mentioned those Allen crab threes i just thought it was huge down the stretch that you you watch this bucks team and they take a 103 100 lead uh on, I believe it it was a Jabari Parker uh layup that he is able to or it was like through contact kind of uh he puts that in 103 100 with with yep. 537 left. Next possession down, uh the Bucks are able to get a shot clock uh violation and you're thinking okay, that that helps. That's good. Uh so you get that one and then they come down Eric Bledsoe misses that uh the left wing 3 middleton gets it back kicks it back out to bledsoe he misses another left wing three uh the nets come down again another turnover bucks get a steal go in the opposite direction kicked out to the left corner middleton and then he up fakes dribbles to the right side and you think okay there it is middleton's been hot all night it'll be 106 100 instead he misses and then from there the Bucks really struggled to score uh they got it to uh they tied it back up at 105 105 as Middleton hit a jump shot there and then it was those back-to-back crab threes and they came excuse me it wasn't even back to back they got to stop in there Alan Crabb hits that three at the top of the key where he comes around some screens it's contested tough shot he hits that Giannis has a miss they come back down and D'Angelo Russell has a miss then the Bucks get it again Giannis misses a left wing three and then Alan Crabb and this one is one that just didn't make any sense Alan Crabb set up on the right wing D'Angelo Russell getting a little bit of an isolation play late in the shot clock Eric Bledsoe's on him and Chris Middleton said this after the game that it just wasn't it wasn't good enough he he was sucked in on the iso and he said i should not have been helping that much i should have been out and contesting that and taking that away and instead i got sucked in the iso my feet got a little heavy and i didn't get there in time and alan crab hits that three and the first one i feel like alan crab hit that top of the key three at least you can feel like okay you chased him you made him work, and he hit. I mean, that was a really tough three. It was kind of yeah. fading away. It was clearly contested by a 6'8 Chris Middleton. Like, that's a tough shot. I think you can probably live with that one. But that other one, right wing, laying the shot clock, Like there's just no reason that you should be helping in that situation. You should be taking that pass away and making sure that Alan Crabb can't get that one off. Instead, he hits it, 111, 105. And then, I mean, just kind of... A couple ugly plays there. Another Yana shot that gets blocked. Bledsoe Mm. misses a three pointer. Jabari misses a three pointer, and the Bucks just aren't able able to catch up. Uh, And it, it was just to me the obviously it was those crab threes, and it was just stuff that that we talk about again and again. And when I asked Joe Prunty about it, I I will give Joe Prunty this credit games where the bucks gave up a ton of threes during the jason Kidd era if you pressed them on the threes if you pressed them on all that you know you would just say stuff like "Yeah, oh, you know we, we sometimes uh they just end up hitting them more you know we just uh weren't weren't given the energy and effort we needed to keep them off the line and when I asked Joe Prunty about it, he, he kind of relented at first. And then I doubled back and asked again. And, uh, I asked like, how do you think you defended the three? And he kind of like gave me a quizzical look and was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I, I understand like sometimes threes just go in and he's like, okay, I get that. But he's like, we, we did not defend the three-point line. Well, we defended the three-point line very poorly tonight. It was not good enough. And I was like, Okay, thank you. Like uh, Again, <laughs> like, I, I'm not trying to press you like I'm a, a defense attorney, but it is, it, it is uh, somewhat annoying when you know that the three-point defense is bad and they won't give you specifics. So credit to Joe Prunty for saying it. It just wasn't good tonight, and I thought those crab threes summed it up because there was one where you're sitting there, you're defending, and they hit a tough shot, and I think the Nets hit some tough threes tonight. And then there's another one where – you didn't execute right you gave up an open three and he hit that one i thought there was plenty of both of those and you knew that going in going against the nets
2: yeah but that was endemic like the the final stretch that you did an excellent job describing the play-by-play for how it went down and how the nets finally did pull away and take this one away from milwaukee but it was really endemic in the entire game Uh, i'm looking at the box score right now both teams made 41 shots from the field both teams hit 41 shots the Nets attempted seventy-five total shots. The Bucks attempted ninety-three. Ninety three to seventy-five in terms <laughs> of attempts, and the Bucks still lost the game. What that tells me is that A, they I, I watched the game. I don't have it memorized. I'd have to take a second look at some of their misses, but it, it doesn't feel to me like they were searching out high efficiency shots. It looked like they were either forcing things or honestly just not putting forth the effort to find a good shot. And on defense, they just weren't, they, were, they could not be bothered to force the Nets into a tough possession consistently. To, to be out shots by nearly 20, but still win by eight points is mind boggling to me. It's not just the huge disparity from behind the arc because yeah they, they you know they took almost what half of their shots were three pointers that makes up for a lot of it the bucks had a pretty decent edge on free throws and obviously points in the paint but they just they keep trading twos for threes and you can't beat math they, and yeah you, they wonder why they're they're coming up short at the end of the day when the bills do like i ah, i've got i've got all these coins look at all these coins <laughs> i've got yeah they're, they're smaller they're worth less Yep. So what do you what are you supposed to do with that? I'm I'm I've I've been with you for a while. Like we we've, we've got now three games left in the regular season plus the playoffs.
1: I, I feel like the Bucks play
2: tonight. I'm just over it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a tough one to to kind of think through because you look at the the turnovers as well. The Bucks force. Uh, they have seven, the the nets have 17 turnovers uh tw- or 17 turnovers that were recorded as steals 20 turnovers overall uh the bucks have just eight so again that's where you're seeing uh, the the disparity in possessions and shots there and the bucks again just couldn't get enough and when you look at this game i, I think you're going to think about wasting a good performance from from Chris Middleton and yep. may, maybe even borderlining on like a, a very good performance, 31 points on 14 shots, 11 of 11 from the free throw line, four rebounds, three assists, two steals. And I, good enough from Eric Bledsoe. It's been indicative of his recent lines where his shot attempts are down a little bit, but he's still managing to get into that 18 to 20 point range uh, where he goes for 18 points a night on 13 shots, uh, six assists, four steals, three rebounds. And it feels like you just you just wasted those performances, and, and largely it's because Giannis is seven of 21 from the field. He 19 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, four steals, a block. He's able to obviously help make up for some of his deficiency shooting, but this was just a night where he didn't really have anything going. He, he was he was able to get to all the spots that he wanted to. And it, it, was, it was funny to think about this game because to start the game, he gets a bucket on Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and it was pretty easy. It's one of the first possessions of the game. I, I think actually the first possession of the game. He gets a bucket, and this isn't something you often see him do. He's talking trash after it. Like Giannis is talking a little bit of junk to Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and that's on the first play in, in a spot against the Nets where I, I can't imagine you're – I, certainly, I wouldn't expect Giannis to be talking trash there. Like it's Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. Like he's not good enough uh, to get Giannis's attention like that. But he did, and in that, I, I thought that first couple minutes of the game, the Bucks go down twelve five. But in going down twelve five, they were getting to pretty much wherever they wanted. Giannis was getting to where he wanted, and he started off the game one for five. Uh, so he misses four straight after that first make, and he he was able to get to where he wanted to. He just didn't make shots tonight you, you think about how many finger rolls he missed uh he obviously got jared allen on that one big dunk attempt in the first half but jared allen got him a couple times in the second half mm-hmm. and uh you you look at just how tough it was for him and the same thing for javari parker he's six of 21 tonight Giannis is seven of 21 so 13 of 42 for those two guys and Ugh you just can't do it it's going to be really tough and like I said a credit to Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe that they played well enough that this was a game but Giannis I don't want to I'm trying to think how to sum this one up because it wasn't that he was taking hard shots to start the game I thought maybe he relied a little bit too much on the jumper at the end of the game Uh, he tried that left wing three and he tried another uh, pull up and those those might have been bad shots but the first 15 to 18 shots of the game for him were all shots that he likes getting to spots that he likes and he just missed them. So I, again, that's a bad night for him. There's just really no way to uh, sum it up any differently. But after the game, this wasn't a night where there's plenty of nights where the Bucks lose and you don't see Giannis. Like he's gone. He's at the practice facility. He, he's doing something else. And, I was surprised to see him after the game because I just wasn't ready for, uh, on a game like this, a game where they lose to someone that they clearly don't really respect, and Giannis has a bad game, you think he's going to leave, but after the game he seemed relatively calm because I think for the most part he got to all the things that he wanted to, he just didn't put the ball in the basket.
2: Yeah, and it's hard to win games when your best player doesn't do that. Um, but again, the Nets are not that good of a basketball team. Like, if Giannis has a 7 for 21 night and just generally misses shots, you know, Middleton picked up his end of the bargain. Eric Bledsoe picked up his end of the bargain. If Javari Parker hits a few more buckets, like, he's even have to shoot 15% from the field. But just, uh, just give me a handful more than what you gave me tonight. Like, this can turn out to be a very different game, you know. You you can withstand one sub thirty three percent shooting performance on twenty plus shots. Yep. I, it's really hard to survive two in the same game.
1: Yeah, you look at their attempts on the night ninety three attempts, forty two of them were taken by Giannis and Jabari, and they simply didn't put them in, and it's just really tough. And going up and down the rest of the roster, I mean. You look at a number of solidish nights that were kind of wasted. John Henson, twelve points, five rebounds, and an assist and a block in twenty-seven minutes. That's decent. Again, it's it's not a great night from John Henson, but it's good enough. That that'll it's do. Fine. Twelve points will do. Uh, maybe you want a little bit more defensively fine i don't care but still 12 points from him he's largely fine tyler zeller uh he plays 21 minutes the so henson for 27 zeller for 21 eight points two rebounds and four or five shooting that's fine you get a little bit of a boost from sterling brown and i i thought it was that was going to sort of swing the game he has his five points and they come right at the start of the fourth quarter it's a part of the third quarter run that kind of came when Jabari was in there and it it was a strange night for him because he had missed so many shots but in that sequence he had the pass to Zeller he had a kick out to Eric Bledsoe for a three the Bucks were kind of going there and you thought the momentum was shifting add on the fourth quarter where Sterling Brown hits a couple shots you bring Giannis back on the floor and you think okay the Bucks are going to kind of handled it here like they had in the past uh, uh, in in the other two games this year against the Nets and and that doesn't happen and I mean Shabazz Muhammad not an efficient night from Shabazz but when is he he efficient but uh, in nine minutes he gets five points uh, makes one shot gets three free throws Jason Terry bad again tonight And, and really if you want to point to one other thing outside of Giannis and Jabari I think 16 minutes from Tony Snell, where he is uh, 0 for 2 from the field, 0 for 1 from 3, 0 points, a rebound, a personal foul, and a minus 13. Jason Terry on the night, 0 for 2 from the field, 0 for 1 from 3 as well, 0 points, a rebound, 2 assists, and a steal. He's a plus 1 on the night. He got to be a, a por- sort of a part of that third-quarter run. You look at that production from the, the shooting guard spot, and it's a killer. It's an absolute yeah. killer that you're just not getting what you're used to getting from from Tony Snell, from Jason Terry, where you can bring them in and they can have a couple of threes. I think Jets had – it feels like he's had some really tough games as of late as, as he's just – kind of letting guys blow by him. He's had a couple reach in fouls where he's not following hard enough and, and they're able to get an and one on him. And again, he, he looks very much like a a six foot one, six foot two, 40 year old out there. Like (laughs) that's, that's that's gonna, that's gonna happen. And, um, it's just, he hasn't been the last week, uh, against the Lakers over two against Denver over three, uh, against Boston. he, He was, he had a, Solidish night a uh, two for five from the field two for four from three uh but tonight just wasn't there and uh it's it's tough when you're getting zeros from a spot then the shooting guard spot outside of sterling brown was was a bit of a zero and uh the bucks got to find a way to get to get something out of that spot because it's just not going totally right there
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think a big part of it, I really do think that uh, the team still is missing Malcolm Brogdon and to a lesser extent, uh, Matthew Delvadova. Tony Snell is very much a low ceiling player. He's a minute eater, as you so eloquently put it way back in the day. Uh, he, he exists to space the floor and to play his role on defense. What he's being asked to do on defense because the scheme is probably more of a problem than Tony Snell's defense individually, but that's a much longer conversation for a different day. Having having to play Jason Terry 14 minutes in, in this game is just, it's a sign to me that they're relying too much on him. At yeah. the very, very end of a long season when the man is 40 years old, he's still playing pretty dang well for a 40-year-old, but... He, it is it's, it is not feasible for the Bucks to be a successful basketball team by relying on players that are not in a position to contribute in a way the team needs in order to win. And I think Brogdon returning from injuries soon, soon-ish, is going to help that, but of course he's not going to be 100% right when he gets back, so it's not the sort of thing that you're going to be able to bank on like, oh, just all they need is Malcolm to come back and then they can make a run in the first round and then score an upset and then who knows from there like nobody's going to expect that but it's just everybody gets moved up a peg when somebody higher on the hierarchy is unavailable and this this is just one of the after effects
1: i think what you just said there is fascinating because this bucks team has to i mean it it has to bring those guys back into the fold and I, I mean, I've got to see Malcolm do some sprints before the game in Denver. Uh, I got to see him work out a little bit with the team uh, on wen- uh, yeah, on Wednesday. So we've gotten to see a little bit of that, but he wasn't back tonight, and the Bucks have a game on Saturday, Monday, and Wednesday, and the playoffs start next weekend. And those two aren't back. And mm-hmm. it, it's I, – I think – for me, I thought, okay, well, they're both scheduled for an early April return. That'll be fine. And I was thinking early April was the first week of April, and we are, are quickly approaching the end of the first week of April, and those guys aren't back yet. And I think it's got to be a huge concern for this Bucs team as they they need them. They, they, you look at this game and – we saw last year during the playoffs at times Tony Snell wasn't kind of getting the run that a lot of people thought and it was oh Deli's taking those minutes from him and I think at the time it probably made more sense that Tony Snell would get some more of those minutes at least out of the first couple of games of that outside of the first couple of games of that series and now I think you're in a spot where everyone would hope that that Malcolm Brogdon could take all those minutes from Tony Snell and, and maybe, uh, and maybe Delhi can take all of those minutes from Jason Terry just because it has been kind of a struggle. So the bucks got to find a way to get some pr- production out of that spot, but it's just really brutal. And like I said, this is a night where I think the, the bucks and specifically Giannis are going to regret dropping this one, uh, because, Again, we don't really know uh, as the season kind of progresses where exactly the Bucks will be, what seed they will be, what seed they want to be, uh, how they want to try to keep their pick. All those things will come into play in the next week, and uh, our guy Matt Velasquez at the Journal Sentinel had re- al- has already written kind of how all the tiebreakers work and stuff like that for figuring out uh, what playoff season will be and also uh, where the Bucks pick will land. So th- there's kind of a rundown on that, but this is – is crunch time like you are trying to play your best basketball and i think in in the last month or so we've seen this team play some of its best offensive basketball in that again we all know the schemes are broken right like the offensive scheme not good defensive scheme not good but the bucks have still managed to find some success there and offensively they just keep putting up numbers it's going to be defensively. Can they figure out exactly how to limit teams? And it just has to be slightly at this point. The Bucks are scoring mm-hmm. well enough that you just have to keep them. It's it does, it, You're not looking for top-five defense. That would be great, don't get me wrong, but you don't need that. You just need top-half defense, just average defense. And with the way mm-hmm. that the offense is humming, you should be able to win games.
2: Yeah, the, the, the team's margins – are razor thin right now. It made even thinner by the absence of the the steady hand of Malcolm Brogdon and the scrappy hand of Dele. <laughs> um It's just, like if you again go, like, going back to the hierarchy. Like there's a lot of talent on this team. They're being underutilized because of the way the schemes are having them operate. You know, that what are the players supposed to do lead a mutiny and install their own schemes? Like no, none of these guys are player coaches. They, that's what the coaches are there for is to coach them. Like everybody should be able to do their jobs, even if the players on some level know, like I could be doing better if I just did something differently. But that's a conversation for the off season. Um, you you can't just wish better shooting from Tony Snell or, you know, a ten year reversal of time for Jason Terry. <laughs> Like, the, this stuff's just not in the cards. That they, they are who they are. You know, they disappointed greatly tonight with a razor-thin margin that was surmountable until the very last minute when, all of a sudden, it wasn't. You know, they, they should have blown this team out. And I think that speaks to the fact of how close it was is despite being underutilized, the talent on this team is still able to keep these games close. So it's frustrating and as maddening as it is you know, there's still... If you choose to see it, there's still a silver lining there, which on some level makes it even more frustrating.
1: Yeah, the, this is this is to me just one that gets away from them on a night where Giannis just wasn't good enough. And it's pretty rare that we say that. And I think it's pretty rare that you can kind of put this at his feet. But uh, to me, it's hard to put it anywhere else. And again, it like I said, it wasn't that he... Yeah, I mean you can slice it any way you want. Like you can say he didn't play bad. He got to the spots they wanted and he just missed shots, but just missing shots means well, you go 7 for 21 on a night and you play bad, right? So, yeah. uh no matter no matter how you might want to try to spice it up and make it sound better, Giannis is bad tonight and the Bucks couldn't overcome it. And I mean, they did everything that they could. They just literally needed a couple shots late. Like they just needed the slightest bit from him in in the final period and that that really to me should have pulled out a win so uh, i think ultimately just a, a really frustrating night because Giannis wasn't good and it, it's rare for for us to to kind of see that and it, i thought in the fourth quarter he was going to turn it around because you look at uh, i think he has an assist early to tyler zeller Uh, He had a a layup shortly after that. Uh, He's able to, I think he finds Sterling Brown for a three. uh, So another assist there. And from kind of that point forward, the final eight or so minutes, uh, he just, uh, I guess there was that run where I had tweeted out that we're on triple-double watch now for Giannis because he was able to get some more assists and he did that. And then from about halfway through the fourth quarter on, uh, things just kind of, didn't go his way he started missing jumpers uh there was some possessions where he didn't get touches and the bucks just kind of kind of blew this one and like i said i tweeted something to the extent of oh the bucks could have blown that open there and this person tweeted at me well you mean they could blow it right here right and i'll have to try to go back and find that tweet and give them the kudos because they're right the Bucs didn't blow it open and instead blew this one uh, against the Nets. Any other thoughts on this game tonight, Mitchell?
2: It's, it's an example, I don't even know what number, of those four words that are our mantra, never trust the Bucks.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that about sums this one up. Taking a look at the standings before we let you go for the night, this was a, a night where the Bucks might have... You know, been able to help out that, uh, that seating that they have uh, and try to get back. Uh, I believe the Wizards ended up uh, losing yeah, the, 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 <laughs> in the sure most did. Wizards way possible. <laughs> uh, where I think the, I'm, I'm trying to think through the details of how much the Cavs were uh, down, but the Wizards blow one to the Cavs, 119, 115. If the Bucks won, that would have put them a game above the Washington Wizards, instead they are tied with them. Again, the Heat and Wizards both have tiebreakers. So when you're looking at the standings, right now the Bucks are game back of the Heat and tied with the Wizards. Really you can just add two to both of the or you can add one to both of those. So they are two games back of the Heat and one game back of the Wizards. When when you really think about this, because of the position that they've put them in themselves in with the tiebreakers with those two teams. So uh this would have been a big one to Stay one game, in quotes, yeah. there one game behind the Heat and a game up on the Wizards, and instead that's that's just not the way it went. So uh, yep
2: the the difference the difference you know between a win and a loss tonight could be a first round series against the East leading Toronto Raptors, who are a very good, very deep team that will probably handle the Bucks. Or if they did win and they were able to hold off Washington for the seventh seed. They might get to play the Boston Celtics, who are missing Gordon Hayward for the entire season, and are now missing Kyrie Irving for the entire uh, remainder of the season and postseason because of a knee procedure. Like, so if you if you are interested in seeing the Bucks play and possibly win a playoff series, winning a game tonight would have made that road a lot more attractive.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I think that that Kyrie Irving injury is huge, and uh, we talked. Uh, we've talked about the possibility of him missing more time, but now it breaks that he will miss the entirety of the playoffs. And John Corrales at Locked on Celtics broke it all down. Uh, He's going to talk to you a little bit about exactly what kind of impact that injury has had and what that means for the Celtics. We'll talk to you and close the show out just on the other side.
0: John Corrales here from Lockdown Celtics to talk about the breaking Kyrie Irving injury news. He is going to have surgery on his left knee to remove screws that were implanted in 2015 when he fractured his patella. Now, you might remember a few weeks ago, he had surgery on that same knee to remove a supporting wire that was also part of that same injury. Now what they have found is an infection at the site of the screws. So they're going back in. They're going to take the screws out. They're going to clear up the infection. The Celtics say his knee is structurally sound, but it's going to take four to five months for everything to recover and for him to get back to playing basketball. The Celtics' focus has always been on next season, especially after the Gordon Hayward injury, but now they definitely will not have Kyrie Irving back for the playoffs. After the initial surgery, they had thought maybe he'd return at some point in the first or second round. Now that is out. So the immediate impact for the Boston Celtics is Terry Rozier is probably going to move into the starting point guard role, a role that he has served well for the Celtics so far in Kyrie's absence and in Marcus Smart's absence. They hope to get Marcus Smart back at some point in the first round. He's got he's had that thumb surgery to repair a torn tendon, so hopefully for the Celtics that he comes back, but immediately they will not have Kyrie Irving for this playoff run. It's going to be tough getting out of the first round for the Celtics. If they do and they get to a second round, that's going to be especially difficult. So I'm sure teams are going to start lining up hoping to play the Celtics in that second round. That specifically would be Cleveland. Long term, they say the knee is structurally sound and they hope to start next season with a healthy Gordon Hayward and a healthy Kyrie Irving. And the Celtics' priority has always been that. So... We'll see how that goes. But right now, there's no further damage. It's not another injury. It's not a separate thing. It's all part of the same thing to clear up what they had done to fix his knee in 2015. And this should remove every apparatus that was in there. And once that's out and healed and the infection is gone, Kyrie Irving should be good to go. We'll see. That's the breaking news. I'm John Corrales from Locked On Celtics.
1: And yeah, I think obviously the breaking news affects the entire Eastern Conference, but at the same time, it affects the Bucs very much. This is this is a potential playoff matchup for the Bucs. The Celtics could be the team that they have, and I think a Celtics team without Kyrie Irving is not a Celtics team that you necessarily fear. And especially when you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, that's a – team you want in the first round of the playoffs like i don't think you want anything to do with the toronto raptors you don't want anything to do with lebron and with the way that the Sixers are playing as they've won 12 straight i don't think you want anything to do with the sixers no
2: i want no part of philly right now nothing to do with any of them except for boston
1: so uh, this this loss i mean it just kind of circles just how big all this could be so uh a tough one for the Bucs, a tough night for the Bucs, even more so with that Wizards loss that this could have been a night where they moved up into that seventh spot. Instead, it goes the opposite way, and we'll see where the Bucs go from here. Bucks play on Saturday. Uh, they have the New York Knicks. Uh, people. So this is funny, Mitchell. People keep telling me I, I have to stop saying that other teams are bad teams unless I also acknowledge that the Bucks are a bad team. And I'm sorry, the Bucks aren't a bad team. They're, they're frustrating team.
2: They're, they're a they're a winning basketball team. 42 that, wins means they're technically a winning team.
1: They they are a frustrating basketball team. Don't get me don't get me wrong. They are a poorly schemed basketball team. They are a inconsistent basketball team. All of those things are true, but they're not a bad basketball team. The Knicks on the other hand are a bad basketball team. Uh, they're 27 and 51 on the season. Uh obviously Hanging out in the Tankathon rankings and trying to figure out exactly how they can try to lose some games here. And I mean, one one way to not lose some games is apparently play the Bucks and have them underestimate you. Uh, so we'll see what happens in that one. Knicks offensive rating on the season twenty one, defensive rating on the season is twenty four. And as tonight you saw the Nets and their shot profile and how it's awesome uh, and how they do a really nice job playing modern basketball same can't be said for the the Jeff Hornacek Knicks. Uh, they are, I believe, 29th or 30th in three-point attempts per game. and uh, three-point rate, they are also very low as well. So maybe you won't see some of that modern basketball uh, that gave the Bucks so many problems tonight, but we'll see exactly what happens to them on Saturday. Frank will be back. Frank and I will have a pod ready for you on Sunday and get you ready for... Final week of the season. Kind of crazy to say, but Ooh. but we are here. Bucks lose tonight 119 111. Bucks lose tonight 119 111 to the Brooklyn Nets. Mitchell, thank you so much for filling in for Frank, and I'm sure in the coming weeks I, I will talk to you again.
2: Well, it'll be an honor and a privilege.
1: All right, uh, check out any of the stuff Mitchell does with all of our other fine folks at Brew Hoop. He is editing it all and making sure that it all gets up there and keeping all of our Brew Hoopers on a great schedule to make sure you get the content that you want and deserve over at Brewhoop.com. So, big thanks to Mitchell. Uh, a not very big thanks to the Milwaukee Bucks for deciding to no show and let the Nets hit 19 of 39 threes. Mm. Bucks lose 119, 111 to the Nets for Mitchell and for Frank. I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you on the weekend.